This is the Misdirected Mark Podcast, a podcast about gaming, game mastering, and entertaining you, our listeners. We are explicit, you have been warned, and I'd like to thank Mike Willer for letting us use his music at our show. Now let's pick up those mics and get on with this thing. All right, I've got an idea for my cyber noir character. Me too. Uh, I've been looking over the setting notes you gave us for Cyber Twilight Metropolis. Great. I was uh, I was hoping there would be something there would catch that would catch your interests. Yeah. So Thomas Redliner Ogoye is a hacker whose father was run out of business by the McCalliker McCalliper Corporation. They're the ones who make all the illegal spyware and blackmail programs, right? Yeah, um, well, their their public front is home AI management hardware and software. But yeah, McCaliper has been making backdoors into people's lives for years. Great. They stole some of their code from my father when he was a subcontractor for them about 10 years ago. Their fiefdom program was originally his, designed to help monitor health care among cyber users. Then they stole the tech, sued him for copyright infringement, and bankrupted my entire family. So I want to bring the entire corporation down but especially Masamune McCallipper. Man, McCallipper is going to bust me up. <laughs> I want to see that entire corporation burn. Uh, yeah, I, I can work with all of that. Okay. All right, Jer? Uh, I've got Domingo Vector for Wachowski. Uh, he's an up-and-coming battle ball athlete. Uh, until my wife Natalia tried to McCallipper for using illegal spyware to step in front of the food kitchen. She was helping to run. Uh, McCallipper sent the cleaners to bomb our car. Okay, yeah, that sounds that sounds just like McCaliper, all right. I mean, we both survived between hospitalized for months, and I did two, uh, I'd have several limbs and organs replaced with cybernetics. So my sports contract mysteriously got voided, and we have medical bills piling up, and so I've been taking odd jobs as a heavy, and I'm trying to work my way through enough influence and firepower. I want to bring McCaliper tumbling down as well. All right, sounds like we probably know each other too. Yeah, definitely. Cool, cool. All right, now that I know how to get you both into the world, sounds like vengeance is in order. Yeah, vengeance rampage, baby. Oh, yeah. And with that, welcome to the 452nd episode of the Mr. Kimmer Podcast. Tonight, we discuss GMing and playing a vengeance hero in your role-playing games. Along the way, we'll take your comments, suggestions, examples live from the chat room for life on Twitch before moving into the after show. But first, my name is Jerry. My name is Phil. And I am Old Man Logan. I'm going to address why we're on early for our yeah. um, for the people who normally listen to us live that are probably now just listening to the podcast. Um, this is just a very real world thing. We're not moving the time of the show or anything. This is a one-off thing. But um, my son had a chance to get hockey tickets to the um, the Sabers and Canucks game tonight, and um, uh, which called his mother went with him. So my daughter is um, at my place for the evening. And since I record in the same room where she sleeps, um, I need to be out of here early enough so that she can get to bed and go to school tomorrow morning, which I have to drop her off at stupid darker 30 yeah. um, in the morning. So, uh, so yeah, we had to bump up the show and uh, just we're winging it. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we're not winging the show, but we're doing it early. Um, it'll be, try I think, a little compact tonight. I may or may not make it for the after show. I have a hard um timeline to uh to hit in order to stay on the bedtime routine there you go Sounds good we'll be back to our normal time next week all right yep. and in the interest of the compact schedule so phil can get out and do his stuff 
Let's do a quick temperature check just to make sure everybody's doing well. Phil, how you feeling? Hey, you know, post-COVID, feeling fine. Uh, no long-term effects. Uh, you know, blessed be, blessed be Pfizer, um, House <laughs> Pfizer. So feel good. And um, yeah, I feel good. And uh, mentally, I'm, I'm doing fine. Jerry. I'm doing, I'm doing fine. I'm feeling good. Uh, got some good sleep this weekend. Uh, you know, I had my class last week, so I was running long, running late, getting up early, but got to crash this weekend and sleep. And so I'm feeling good today. So, Bob? I am uh, and dealing with a little bit of neck and shoulder uh, pain. Uh, it's It started creeping up on me uh, like about a week, a week and a half ago, or I forget when. Um, and it's been off and on, off and on. Um, but other than that, uh, feeling pretty good. Mentally, feeling pretty good. Um, and nothing really... Uh, <clears throat> Nothing really dragging me down at the moment, and uh, new Minecraft season helped, so <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. things like that. So, all right, so let's jump in uh, to the one thing. Um, my one thing for this week is I have been working my way through Community Season 1, which is oh. now finished. I'm into Season 2, but uh, I hit, of course, the first paintball episode, like two <laughs> or three episodes before the end of Season 1. Oh, my God, that episode is ridiculous. The yep. tropes that they played with and the homages to Die Hard and, and other things. There was a John Woo <laughs> reference in there. It was glorious. It was so wild. I was I was very pleased. And if if they if they play with uh, with the paintball, the future paintball episodes like that, uh, I'm definitely going to enjoy those. You you are starting to see the beginnings of the footprints of what is Rick and Morty with those paintball episodes. Uh-huh. Their, their directing skills, and you're seeing the origins of 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 the MCU there too. Yeah, um, it's it, oh, I'm so so good. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yep. All right, good Jerry. Show. What's your one thing? Well, after discussing it a couple times, I decided you know what? I've seen bits and pieces of episodes of the show Psych, and it's on Peacock for free. So I figured ah. I'll start watching it. I've been enjoying it. Um, I've only skipped one. I've only skipped one episode so far. There's there's an episode where they go undercover at a comic con, and after the first five minutes, where there's just a relentless um, insulting attack on nerds by just about damn near everybody, including two protagonists, I said it's going to be one of those episodes and skipped it. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like when it's kind of like when you watch the episode of Castle where they get into role-playing games or any of the episodes of, of most shows, except maybe CSI where they deal with the BDSM community. And it's basically, you know, they don't know what they're talking about and they're just going to make it the butt of the joke. I'm like, that's not the time to watch. So I skipped that one, but the rest of them have been really good. I like, I like a show about a smart character who has faults yep. and isn't super smarmy. Um, so, I, and, and that's the fun of it. They're, they're both, the main characters are all kind of fun. It's a comedy, really. Yeah. And um, honestly, you will enjoy the relationship between Sean and Gus yes. as it grows throughout the, the show. Um, their their chemistry is remarkable right out of the gate. But they yep. just, it's so good. By the time you get to the end, you've been on a ride. It's so much fun. What we're already seeing is that his father isn't quite the villain that he makes him out to be. Yeah. But also that part of that, you know, his father's his father was was brutal and, and conniving, but wasn't quite as bad as it's, it starts out. You, you think his father was this horrible, horrible dad, and he really wasn't. No, but but he wasn't. All, he also wasn't super supportive. Yeah. But you see that 
Gus is the reason that Sean made it through childhood. Yeah. Just in the first like eight episodes, the amount of flashback stuff where you see young Gus just being this supportive, loving, you know, bro to him all the time. And I mean yeah. that like brother is good. So anyway, that was a good show. Yeah. I'm enjoying it. Phil? Yeah, my one thing's gonna be the um kickoff of the new Minecraft season. Mm. Um we uh we had a mod pack, so we we we, made, we had a pretty big update actually. We moved from uh, not to get too deep into this, but we were in version uh, 1.12. We've moved up to um, we've moved up to version uh, 1.16, which means we've, we've passed some significant milestones in terms of Minecraft upgrades. But it also shook everything up because not all of our mods that we um, are were pretty tried and true mods for us for season after yeah. season. We had to give a lot of those up. Not all of them. A number of our favorites all made it through, but a lot of them didn't. Um, and so we are um, plunged into a game that has um, some new elements um, without some of our normal comforts. And uh, and like, but we're all back in and playing again. And I, I really enjoy it. Like the beginning part of the, um, I always enjoy this beginning part where everybody's together. Um, you know, history has shown over time, you know, some people will drop off over time and things like that. But um, I'm kind of excited because I did the primary testing for this mod pack but I've yet to test it past the point of where I am right now. Mm-hmm. Like I've always gotten up to about this point in the game and then like had to like ditch my world and keep like, so I'm actually looking forward to it because a couple of the mods have some like real depth to them. And I can't wait to actually like dive in and build some of the really, um, really bonker stuff. There's some things in the higher end of mech that aren't actually worth um, individually building that we could actually group build um, oh, yeah. because of how intense um, some of that stuff is going to be like cool. the antimatter, um, <laughs> the antimatter reactor um, is spectacularly complicated. I watched a YouTube video about it. Nice. Um, it's a thing that a number of us could actually start um, harvesting resources and working on like late, late game. Yeah. So yeah, anyway, I'm, I'm, it, in, I'm interested in that as long as we don't get another, another you know too many nuclear reactors problem that them are good <laughs> no we build this thing i don't think we'll need another reactor um yeah. but i actually just want to build it for the sake of building it yeah, like just because i i want to build through that entire mod pack because there's a lot of stuff in there there's mechanized armor there is um there's all sorts of stuff so uh, I've a, I'm a I'm very vested in getting deep into that pack uh, after I get kind of um, after I get kind of established. Anyway, um, yeah. So anyway, I'm I'm excited. It's fun having everybody there and kind of seeing some of the mods. Um, having you guys see some of the mods that you hadn't seen before, like yeah. waystones and stuff like that. Cool. So awesome. Cool. Cool. All cool. right. Uh, no announcements today. So let's jump into our bumper for the lab segment. tubes and stuff at some, at some point we'll need to make one for the background check like some sort of yeah. um um like ticker tape machine kind of kind of you know that's good kind of thing so i don't know something <clears throat> like that well at some point need to make something for that but i well we're running it out of the lab for now so it's okay the lab's a good place to start uh because let's face it it was bound to happen after doing our first background check uh, we knew we'd want to do another one and so here we are back in the lab and tonight we're going to look at the vengeful hero 
And as we always do in the background track, we're going to talk about what makes up this background, how to get the best backstory, what kind of story arc this creates, the pitfalls, and some tips for playing it well without disrupting the game. Yep. All right. And of course, like uh, most of our other segments, we're going to start with some definitions. So let's do this one. Behold, you are in the presence of Definition Panda. We start our definitions tonight with the keyword for tonight, vengeful, uh, meaning seeking to harm someone in return for a perceived injury. So there are a few things we can kind of pull out of this definition. Um, one, there was an injury, perceived or real. Um, for the sake of our character tonight, let's make it real, but it could be perceived, right? Like you could have somebody vengeful for you know something that they think that happened. Um, but our injury, right? That could have happened directly to the vengeful person, right? The character that we're building, or it could have happened to someone they care about, a loved one, a mentor, those kinds of things. Um, and by injury, that injury could be, you know, obviously physical, but it could be social, like the fallen standings, right? Mm-hmm. Like a, somebody who was, you know, um, lost, you know, like like lost honor or whatever, and like now is seeking vengeance. Um, it could be financial, right? They were cleaned out of money. Could be relationship, right? Based, like um, something happened with a family member, a loved one, or whatever, right? So it, that that injury is broad, right? It doesn't have to just be physical, like we like, and just like in our example, right? In our example, Bob's um, it, Bob's character was cleaned out financially. Um, Jerry's Jerry's uh, Jerry and Jerry's character and his wife were both harmed physically. Okay. So, okay, cool. Um, the vengeful person is seeking to do harm by way of recompense, right? They're paying back that injury by doing harm to the person or persons they believe have committed the injury. Um, and in terms of harm, we can also we can also use, use this in a very broad sense, right? The most obvious is just to hurt someone, be it physical, uh, but it could also be financially. Um, and then like we can really broaden that term out to be like ruin their business, get them arrested, put them in jail um, or, you know, it could be more practical, like shove them out an airlock or push them into an antimatter reactor. Like we've got some, like we got latitude mm-hmm. in, in terms of both injury and in terms of harm. So in tabletop role-playing games, this background is going to be the one where the character or someone the character cares about was harmed by something, whether it was an NPC that harmed them or an organization, a monster, God, the force of nature, whatever. And now they work to deliver to this recompense. This is the character who differs from somebody who's righteous because the righteous character does things because it's morally right and virtuous. Eventual heroes are very rarely morally right and virtuous. Yeah, in fact, actually, um, mm-hmm. a, a cool pairing is the vengeful hero and the righteous hero who are actually fighting for the um, who are fighting against the same the same yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Right. The righteous one is doing it because it's the right thing to do. Right. I'm the paladin. This is evil. We must do it. And the vengeful heroes like they harmed me. I'm going to put them in the ground, that kind of thing. And then you have some great tension between those two characters um, based on approach. Anyway, that's just a thought that popped into my head while we were talking about it. By way of quick review, we need to also talk about two terms that came up a few episodes ago when we did the fallen hero edition of the adversary files. Uh, and the first one is the anti-hero, 
is the main character in a story who lacks conventional heroic qualities and attributes such as idealism, courage, and morality. Although antiheroes may sometimes perform actions that are morally correct, it is not always for the right reasons, often acting primarily out of self-interest or in ways that defy conventional ethic codes. The next term I want to bring up is the vigilante, a member of a self-appointed group of citizens who undertake law enforcement in their community without legal authority, typically because the legal agencies are thought to be inadequate. The vengeful hero can be one or both of those things or neither, right? But there's a lot of overlap with the vengeful hero and the anti-hero, the vengeful hero and the vigilante. So let's give some examples from media of the vengeful heroes. So many examples. But here's just a few. First of all, Jason Bourne in The Bourne Supremacy and Bourne Ultimatum. Uh, you got Frank Castle in The Punisher. Eric Draven from The Crow. John Wick in, well, John Wick and the rest of them. Um, the Wraith, the character from the Charlie Sheen Ghost Car movie. Uh, Batman is a vengeful hero. Paul Kersey, the main character from Death Wish, is a vengeful hero. The Stranger from High Plains Drifter. And of course, John Matrix from Commando. Of course, I like that you're like, of course, John Matrix from Commando. Yes. Like that's such an obscure, I guess it's not obscure if you're I, old like us. If let's, let's I, had put to it look, this, I had to look up who John Matrix is when you put him in the notes. Let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. If you, if you're like, oh yes, John Matrix from Commando, then you probably, you know, need to take some Advil for your back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> never actually seen that movie all the way through. <gasps> well, I, well, well, what? You've I've never seen, seen bits, the ending of Commando? I've seen bits and pieces. I may have seen the ending of it. I've seen bits and pieces. It was it was during that phase when I did not catch a lot of those. Oh, Bob. I, I did yep. not see a lot of the Schwarzenegger movies and none of the Stallone movies. Oh, Bob. Uh, so. I see we have we our work cut out for us. I've never seen a Rambo movie. Uh, or, a Rocky, or a Rocky movie. Okay, well, there are some. Okay, so there's definitely some things we need. First of all, First Blood is great. The other ones are um pretty cheesy first blood is i actually think is fantastic um the other ones are um less and less bound to realism um but anyway we can definitely we can definitely future address that issue because um as a teenager i uh consumed a steady diet of of bad action movies so i'm well versed in all of these okay anyway all right so now that we have an idea of who the vengeful hero is, Jerry, can we talk about what we would put into their backstory? All right. Well, in order to build a strong backstory for the vengeful hero, we're going to need to start by understanding who or what was injured. So after you get done establishing the basics of your character, you need to first by taking, making a, a decision. Were we the ones who were directly harmed, or was it someone or something that we cared about that was harmed? And knowing that we can expand with this with a few more questions, we start out with things like, who did the harm? Why was it done? What was the harm that was done? And what was the outcome of that harm? Was it injury, death, destruction? Was it a bunch of mean girls who put you down in school? Whatever it is, what was the outcome of that harm? Yeah. So then um, we'll need to, from building off of that, we'll need, to, we'll need to expand on some of those details about who did the harm, right? Is it a person? Is it an organization, right? A cabal, whatever. Um, and how much does our hero know about the organization, like at the start, right? Um, do they know, like, you know, do they know a person that's part of it? Do they know the whole organization, et cetera? What's this, what's this organization group? or whatever ultimate goal like does it have a goal is it a conspiracy is it just a mindless monster like the tarask killed my family like 
it, you know, now I need to just go like find it. I don't know if the Tarask is mindless or not. Don't jump all over me, D&D people, but whatever, <laughs> you get my point. Um, what, um, why did they need to harm, you know, whoever was harmed, right? Was it a message? Was it to eliminate a witness, right? Like there must, like, it, like it, random is a terrible reason, right? Like there should be a reason for it. Yep. Um, what is that organization or person doing now? Like, they did whatever harm. Are they like just back tooling around in their lives? Like, did they forget who you are? Like that kind of thing. Um, do they even know if the character seeking vengeance, like, do they think you're dead? Do they think that like, oh, they got the message. They'll leave a lot, you know, they'll leave enough alone. Yep. Are they so big that they don't even perceive you as a threat? Like much like the cyber um, example we were using in the opening, like, the two characters that we're talking about, like, does the corporation even care if you're like out there plotting vengeance? They're monolithic, right? Like until you do some damage, they're just like, whatever, tons of people hate us. I was going to say, they don't care now, but they're going to. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Right. But we're just, we're, we're establishing our baseline yeah, yeah. here for the background. Yeah. 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 Right. And then we need to figure out more about what the hero is doing now. Does anybody else know about the harm that was done? Uh, what methods or how far is a hero willing to go to get their vengeance? What's their limit? And what is the final vengeance going to look like for the hero? There should be an end game in place. What's it going to look like when you bring the, bring the building down or whatever? In the immortal words of, uh, of the author of Getting Things Done, what does done look like? Yeah. How, what does done look like? When, when this is all said and done, are you standing on the ruins of a building? Are you holding the head of the CEO of the company? What, what is it? Yep. Yeah. All right, so those are all great questions, and they're going to generate a lot of hooks. So all good stuff. Phil, what kind of story arcs are GMs going to be able to run with this background? Right, so the biggest arc that the GM has to address, right, and has to address, not optional for this background, um, is the arc where the hero exacts their vengeance on the person, organization, whatever, who did the harm. Um, as the GM... Right. This whatever, whatever, whoever did this harm is now a major NPC in your game, whether you were intending for it or not. They are now. Mm -hmm. um, so you're going to need to build a story arc that, you know, and it may be many story arcs or it may be subplots or whatever. But you're going to need to build a structure by which the character can work their way to their ultimate vengeance. Um, and you don't want to like, and you don't want to serve this thing up like within the first couple of sessions, right? This is a, this is long term, this is long play. Um, it could be the main plot of your whole campaign. Could be the main. It could be your main story arc in the first, like for the first story arc, um, or you know you can push it down to a like a secondary character arc that you have threaded through a you know um, throughout the campaign. But one way or another you're going to have to plot out something that has them working their way up the, you know, the vengeance ladder, right? They're going to need to like, you know, find their way into the organization. They're going to need to make some early strikes to hurt the organization. The organization's going to hit back, right? Like once you've done a significant <clears throat> amount of damage, like assassins come for you. Uh, there's going to be twists and setbacks and all that stuff. And you, you need to get all of that in there, right? Like that is like non-optional. You are basically negating this character's um, purpose if you do not pack this into your, um, into your campaign. So as a GM, let me say this. If you already have something plotted out, 
Um, you know, like say you're one of those GMs who's like, who wants to, you know, play through a particular story. Uh, and you think that this is going to be too disruptive and that you can't find a way to work the vengeance thing into what you already have. Right. Like, like if you can work it into what you already have, that's great. Cause then you just gave the character a reason to make it to the end of your existing arc. But if this like bolted on piece is going to drag into your game, this may not be the best background to let a player play. Because if you're going to let a player play this character, you have to do this arc. You gotta pay and you it. have to finish this arc. If the campaign finishes, if it ends early for any reason, that's one thing. But if the campaign finishes, you have to also finish this arc. Yep. Not optional. Yep. Okay, cool. Aside from that, a little Wait. preachy tonight. Aside mm-hmm. from that arc, here's some other things that you can work in uh, into, into, your, uh, into your other arcs, background stories, etc. First, you can start with someone who's landed the hero, who is harmed and is trouble, and now needs your help as one of the story as one of the, the story arcs. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone tries to talk you out of your vengeance, worried that it will consume you or get you killed. That's always a that's always a good dramatic uh, scene. The group that did this harm in the first place is now using their influence to ruin some plan or relationship that the character or the entire party is establishing. This is a good way to get the entire party kind of in on that vengeance arc. Sure. Yeah. Uh, during the adventure, there's a chance to extract some vengeance on the enemy who did you harm, but at the expense of successfully completing the mission, getting the MacGuffin, et cetera, right? This is the difficult choice. Like, do you chase your vengeance or do you finish what you set out to do? Maybe a member of the group that did harm has decided to reform. Can your character trust them? Or worse, can your character even forgive them in the first place? Yeah, exactly. Um, you fall in love with someone only to discover they're part of the group that you're seeking vengeance against. Oh, the messy that. drama. Of course. That's always good. Yep. So there's plenty of potential plot hooks there for the GM to work with. Um, so as we move along, Jerry, what are the pitfalls that we could run into with this background? All right. With this kind of background, there's a bunch of little things that the player and the GM need to look out for. The first is you want to be careful and don't make this about being racist in your background story. What we mean that by that is when you determine who did the harm and who needs the vengeance, avoid making a species or a socioeconomic group or a race or whatever. Avoid that 80s trope of my family was killed by orcs, so I hate all orcs. That's racist as all get out and go. It's also really sloppy background writing and kind of uninspired. It doesn't really give you or the GM anything creative to work with, or at least less to work with. So instead, Pick something like an individual, an organization, um, a clique, something that's not all one group, one species, etc. It can be based on choices and actions, not based on, on, on birth or belief systems. 100%. Yep. Yep. 100%. And yes, that is sloppy. Like mm-hmm. you can do, you can do much better. Yes. Um, okay. Next up, your character is not evil. You are a vengeful hero right so don't be evil yes you are seeking vengeance but make sure that you have a discussion with your group on what you will and what they're comfortable with with what you will do and how far you're willing to go for vengeance right we need to talk about things like prisoners torture killing like these are things that you have to work through um with the group because otherwise um you could derail a session when you know all of a sudden somebody from that organization surrenders to you what do you do 
right? If your group hasn't had this discussion about boundaries or whatever, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to waste them. Right. And now all of a sudden players like left and right are like, wait, wait, you can't waste them. He surrendered. Right. Like, and then you've derailed the whole game. Have this discussion, have boundaries on what your character will do. Um, it always works best if you could like turn them over to authorities, right? Like if a person surrenders, you know, we're turning them over to the authorities or whatever. Um, but work this out, have expectations and boundaries set on this. Otherwise you will have some in-game drama. Um, and honestly, I have, um, this is the kind of in-game drama that could easily move to PVP if it goes no. too far. Now, it is okay to decide ahead of time what that, what that choice is going to be and have the characters play out that first choice in-game. As long mm-hmm. as everybody's on board, and was, you, could have the char- you could have the characters come close to blows as long as the players all know this is how you're establishing that drama. 100%. But, you've gotta, but you have to have all those boundaries in place ahead of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this yeah. is not a thing you want to like figure out on the fly. Sure. I, I mean, I've seen these kinds of things. Like, you know, I always, you know, I always joke that the I, I don't even joke, right? The greatest, the greatest test of of a of how good a uh, party is is the goblin baby, right? Yep. The goblin baby <laughs> test is a guaranteed way to check uh, how how quote good a party is. Um, but yeah, you gotta you gotta have the discussions about this. You gotta set the boundaries. Um, you'll just F up the game if you don't. All right, what's our next one, Jer? Well, you want to make sure that you don't have anybody betray or ditch the group. This goes right with the one above, but depending on your group, ditching the group to go after something to further your vengeance could go over very poorly and betraying your group more so. Um, You want to work this out in advance with the group so it doesn't blow up the table. Have everybody discussing um, what's going on with the group have everybody discussed, you know, what's going to happen when something comes up that one of the players may want to run off and do on their own? But it's not um, one of the players. This is the vengeful player. Right, right the vengeful like, player. Yes, the yeah. vengeful player wants to go off and do something on their own because of their vengeance. Um, is the group going to deal with that? Is it going to mess things up? Um, and as a GM, you got to be aware of this also. If you put the vengeful player in this position too often, then they might sometime pick that option which can mess up things for everybody else, especially if it's being put in front of them all the time. So it's okay to tempt the vengeance player, but don't overdo it to the point where it seems out of place for them not to take that, that choice. Yeah. Especially if the group is like, we'd be really pissed off if you bitched, if you ditched or betrayed us, right? Like, like don't set up the impossible situation. Mm -hmm. Um, If the group is like, no, we, you know, we understand like, you know, of course, given the opportunity you'd run off and do it or whatever. Um, like that might work, but I mean, think about it. If your mainline fighter in the middle of a dungeon runs off because they see the marking of an evil god, and the rest of you are now getting pounded by owl bears without yeah. your mainline fighter, and none of this has been discussed up front, you're mm-hmm. going to be pissed. Yep. yep. Like if you live through it, you're going to be pissed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, last thing. This is a um, this is a tip that goes directly to the player who's playing the vengeful hero. Um, avoid obsessing on your vengeance, right? While your vengeance is going to be a main part of your character, um, it is one part of your background. And it may not be everyone's background um, or priority, right? Just because you need to get rid of, you know, the God of Smite or whatever, doesn't mean that that's what everyone else signed on for. Um, You still need to be a good team player, 
You need to work with the group. You need to advance, help advance the group objectives. Um, and then also find time for your vengeance. And this is also a thing that you can have your character talk to the group about, right? You can say something like, okay, look, we're going to clear this dungeon out. But afterwards, you guys got to help me find this acolyte. Like I, like, I, like, I need to do this, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you can work that in. But just don't be like at all times like, hey, like, like, hey, Bob, how are you doing? And just sharpening your sword like, I'm waiting for my vengeance, mm-hmm. right? Like, it works in The Crow, yeah. right? Because, like, it's a two-hour movie. Like, you know, but it's not going to work in a campaign if like literally all you do is like, I sit around sharpening my sword, plotting my revenge against my enemy every day. Yeah. And, and let's face it, the crow is a single character and he's not all that deep. No, no, not at all. Right. The, the whole premise of the thing isn't that deep. It's just, yeah. you know, it works. Yeah. Yep. It's yeah. fun. It's a fun movie, but yeah. Absolutely. Love it. Okay. Almost time to watch it. Yeah. yeah. So before we break. Phil, do we have tips for playing this background and getting the most out of it? I mean, of course we do. That's um, why we're here. <laughs> that's, why, that's why we're here. That's, that's, that's me setting up a very uh, clumsy transition. Of course we do. Um, I should really, it should be like, Phil, of course we have some background, some tips for playing this background. You are correct, Bob. All right. One, one big thing you need to think about. It's not a thing you need to answer right away, but you need to think about it is, what does this character do when it's all over? The search for vengeance is eventually going to end. And assuming you live through it, right? Assuming that you live through the vengeance, um, is this character still a viable character concept when they no longer need to seek vengeance? Maybe they're not, right? So maybe like once they get vengeance, they're going to just go retire, right? This character is done, rides off into the sunset, Uh, Maybe they don't even live through the encounter, right? Like that kind of thing, but they're done. Um, Or maybe in their quest to gain vengeance, they have also found a new purpose uh, in life, right? And so that once they close the door on this vengeance, they now can, uh, they can now move on to something else. And and that's going to be important because depending on, and this might require a little work with your GM, Depending on what your plan is for the character um, and depending on whether you want to play another character in the campaign, the GM needs to kind of know where to put the end of this vengeance arc, right? Like if you're, if your plan is like, look, when this guy, when I finally kill the God of smite, I'm, I'm going to get a farm and retire, push that towards the end of the campaign. Right. But if like all of a sudden through play, your character is like, you know, I've been pounding out all these acolytes and like getting rid of all these guys and like, you know, killing my way up the chain. And as it turns out, like, I think when this is done, like I might like try to repent and become like a a paladin or something. You could move the vengeance up, right. And give the character like, and get, and close that chapter and move on to the next one. So it's a thing that is worth as a player thinking about, and not that I think you need to have the answer the day you hit the table, because you're not getting your vengeance in um, session one. And if you are, what is wrong with you, GM? Um, but um, at some point, you and your GM should have a talk about kind of what happens next and where the end game for this vengeance needs to take place. Okay. Um, other things for playing well is to avoid all the pitfalls we said above. Um, but then there are actually a few things that we came up with that you can interject into 
um, into the game. And I, um, we have creatively named them from quotes from other movies about vengeance heroes. I think most of them are vengeance heroes. I think one of them, the second one is definitely not a vengeance hero. But yeah, I was, I was, I was I, wondering how that's a vengeance hero. Um, <laughs> you know what? I don't know if that character is, but I think another character in that movie could be yes. considered a vengeance hero. Yes. Um, but anyway, I think it'd be fun um, if we also, well, I don't know. Let's just do the quotes. People, people will figure out the movies. Yes. So the first one, hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. So you want to spell your pop points when you're closing on someone who deserves your vengeance since you look extra badass. You basically want to get ready for this final fight, get things together, let the, let the player know as the GM um, that we're getting close to this, that so they have the things they need to make it an epic battle. Um, you don't want to have the thing where they show up and, and either get horribly slaughtered initially or the battle is not that, uh, not that exciting. Yeah. I mean, this is the time to spend your bennies, right? Like mm-hmm. spend them yep. big. Yep. Okay. Uh, the next one is um, I will live in Montana. Do we all know where that's from? I do. Yeah, I do too. Okay. That's why I said he's not the vengeance hero. No, he's not the vengeance hero in that. Um, during slow periods, talk to your fellow characters or an NPC about what you would like to do when your revenge is complete. For our uh, chat room listeners, that is Hunt for Red October. Oh, very good. Thanks, Bob. That's why I'm here. All right, next one. You know when I said I'd kill you last? I actually know what that's from. I've seen that part. That is from Commando. Um, basically, display a bit of your dark side when you promise to show mercy and then take that mercy away. Um, just assuming that you have consent for that for the rest of the players. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. uh, can't rain all the time. Reference back to the crow. Being a vengeful hero can be a bit of a downer from time to time. So um, as a break from that, uh, do a scene where you're enjoying life or having a lighter moment. I'm sticking on back from John Wick. Talk to someone about how you're going to continue on after your vengeance is done. Discuss with somebody. Have some role-playing encounters. Mm -hmm. Uh, I told you people to leave us alone. Anybody? That's boring. That's boring, yeah. Um, Have a scene with the people you are seeking vengeance on about how you didn't want any of this and how it's their fault that all of this is happening. And you'd be a great Dread Pirate Roberts. Maybe take over the organization that you have vengeance against and redirect its efforts towards less than less objectives. Mm-hmm. And so that's our take on the vengeful hero. So we're going to take a break here and check with the chat room. But first, Bob, tell us about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network. Yes, I think you should all go and check out Bonus Experience. Ray and Monica are two old friends exploring gameplay and design through the lens of diversity while also sharing some of the dumbest humor gaming has to offer. I never get tired of that. That's that's a yeah. great that's a great blurb. All right. Yeah, you're right. So uh All right. Jared Rasher's in the chat room. <clears throat> and uh, he mentioned that at least several versions of Batman's story don't have him running into Joe Chill for years. So he's already been invested in making Gotham better as his primary motivator. And to be honest, like I I've like I know Batman from way back, but I was never like that deep into the stuff. Like I have no idea who Joe Chill is, no clue. Apparently, he's the dude that killed his parents. But like, I, I mean, no I got that from context, name. but I don't think I ever knew it by name. Yeah, yeah. And he also mentioned earlier um, the name of the the gangster that had uh, Dick Grayson's parents killed, and I'm like, I didn't know that either. <laughs> I'm like, okay, <laughs> the things you but learn. Is is isn't Joe Chill also now the name he uses when he's like 
a gangster. Isn't that his cover now in some of the Batman comics? I have no idea. I could be wrong on that. No, that's interesting. That'd be great. Takes up the guy. Yeah. Takes up the guy's uh, name. Jared says that's matches Malone. Oh, Max. Um, that's one of them. Yeah, that's true. I forget what's Logan's name when he's in Mar in um, in Maripol. Patch. Patch, right? Or some variation of Patch. Like nobody Patch knows that's Wolverine. Come on. <laughs> Have you like, seen one this of the hair? most recognizable Who else? dudes? He's got Who else that has... hair. <laughs> Who else has this hair? Anyway, it's, it's 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 the Clark Kent glasses thing. As soon as he puts a patch on, yeah. nobody looks the hair anymore. Yeah. So. I always liked that in DC Heroes, the game, the game DC Heroes, the glasses had a power. They yeah. had like hypnosis 15. Oh, and there's yeah. a reason why yeah. people couldn't put it together was because they actually didn't see him as a uh, Superman suggestion glasses. that makes people think that they saw somebody completely different looking than actual Clark. Yeah. Kent. Yeah. Well, there, there, there are, there are real life, there are real life stories of both Christopher Reeve and, um, Oh, who's the one who's playing him now? The the one Larry who played Campbell. the Witcher guy. Yeah, of both of them, like on the set of the movie, going out into the town and people not recognizing them. Like Christopher Reeve, like dressing like Clark Kent and going out to lunch, and nobody realized it was Christopher Reeve. But if he went out with the glasses out and the hair slicked back, they recognized him. And Henry Cavill walking around in Times Square, having people take selfies of him in front of the Superman posters and nobody realized who it was that was there because he was just henry cavill at that point um so i could see that um see you can't pull that shit on me i'm a face guy i recognize faces no. and i'm like i know that oh yeah <laughs> dude you're ridiculous yeah. I, yeah. seriously if superheroes existed in our world you would totally like you would have you would have outed like most of them by now or I bob's the know. guy who's like when you're watching a movie he's like you see that guy in the background the one no no the one holding the beer yeah that guy he was in Cannonball Run. He was like the he was like the co-pilot of like the third car. Like you're yes. like what? <laughs> yeah. I love like, that. Like well, the like the dean of the community college in Community. He was the MIT guy at the beginning of Civil War that had the idea that he was pitching to Tony about the self cooking hot dog. Right. Well, yeah. Well, that that's that's deliberate. Yeah. Yeah. Because that was a Russo. That was a Russo. Yeah. Brother. That's the Russo. All, all. Yeah. Yeah. That. But yes, that is true. That's. Uh, but yes, well, that, Bob, that's one of my. What what one of my favorite early jokes was the 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 one where it's got uh, was it Lois Lane and uh, she's got got a picture of Superman and she puts it on Facebook and Facebook says do you want to tag Clark Kent yeah because <clears throat> of the Facebook yeah that's funny those are fun yeah yeah oh there yep there it is right there yeah. I just I just said it and here here uh, uh, Andy just put it in the post so yes <laughs> same one that's all right God. Well, let's jump back Andy, into the topic and go into it. our uh, our uh, roundtable question section, starting with this one, Phil. Yeah, name a vengeful hero you've enjoyed in media and one you've enjoyed in a game. In media, I'm going to pick kind of one of the obvious ones. I got to love Inigo Montoya from The Princess Bride. Um, he was a vengeful hero. He was um, willing to do just about anything to get the six-fingered man. Um, he almost allowed... Uh, his friends to to get in trouble because of it, but eventually gave that up to to help his friends. Um, but uh, yeah, it worked. It, it's just a good character overall, and, and a good template of how to run that character in a group without disrupting the group. I think several I, times I, he has a choice. Go ahead. I think as a kid, Inigo Montoya was like my first favorite vengeful hero. Yeah, like <clears throat> he's charming. He has like, and the story, like the, the yep. like you know, when he tells the story of what happened, 
Um, like, I don't know. Like, I just like, I remember just like, I love Anigo Montoya's character. I mean, of course I loved his character, yeah. but like, like yeah. it, it's definitely proof that um, it's definitely proof that you do not have to be hard or bitter to be um, a vengeful hero. Yeah. It's also a good example of the, the the player spending their points in the climactic moments to make oh, yes. the fight against the six-fingered man epic. It's like, oh, he's yes. going to stab me. Oh, no. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> right? I want my father back, you son of a bitch. Yep. <laughs> in game, I think that probably my favorite... Uh, I will <clears> talk <throat> about the after show, but the, probably my favorite one, the Vault Dweller in Fallout 4, the main character you play in Fallout 4, um, is basically on a quest to bring down those, uh, no spoilers, uh, you get frozen with your spouse and your child and they come in, they they wake you up, realize that you're not the one they're looking for, wake your spouse up, take your child, and when your spouse tries to, tries to stop them, they kill your spouse. And then you get frozen again for another 100 years. And so when you come out, you are pretty much on a vengeance path to go find your child and bring bullet laden mayhem on the people who took your child and killed your spouse. And uh, there's lots of other things along the way. By the time you finally get your child, actually, that quest has become supplanted by several other more, um, hopefully more altruistic goals. I mean, it's fallout. You can do whatever you want, but, uh, but it's still, it's, it's basically a vengeance path. That could be a lot of fun to play. It gives you a reason to go after the bad guys. Um, when it finally happened it just it could be a lot of fun just yeah. make sure you've got a lot of ammo with you so and in the after show i'll talk about a different character i played in a role-playing game that was vengeance oriented that didn't start that way um and how we had to kind of tone it back afterwards so bob yeah so as far as media goes um my favorite one phil already had picked and i'm like that's cool um so i'm gonna go with the backup and that is the crow Ooh. eric draven um that movie ultimate 90s sad boy uh yeah Mm -hmm. um so much emo um but yeah that that movie um did a lot of things but that that character just like you know they killed me and my girlfriend and i come back a year later and i'm going to get my revenge so yeah um love the implementation of that um and of course um you know um brandon lee was at the height of his popularity and would have been a huge friggin' star after that, if they wouldn't have killed him on set. Oh, <clears throat> a very tragic story. Very tragic, yes. but you know, and uh, as far as uh, games go, I never really, you know, like, like every character I play in any video game that I play, um, like in Minecraft, in, in Valheim, they're all, they're all vengeance heroes because one of those monsters sneaks up and bites me in the ass and I'm like, oh, motherfucker, you're going to die for that. <laughs> I have been wronged. Yes. This Enderman, this Enderman is going down. <laughs> yeah. Um, from media, I, I did, like I said, I picked the one that Bob um, was also my top pick, uh, John Wick. Um, I love the way the story starts. He's out. He's living. Like, first of all, he, 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 he leaves out of love. <clears throat> Uh, he suffers a great tragedy, right? Loses his um, loses his wife. He's still out of the like. He's just trying to stay out of it, right? He gets the dog. It's adorable, right? And then, like that world 
crashes back into his and takes the last thing he loves. And then he's like, and it's just the, it's the scene for me. Like the, the whole John wick thing starts with um, it's just the scene. Like first he's in the shower, right. Trying to calm himself down after what's happened, cleans himself up. And then he goes to the basement and it like very metaphorical, right. He breaks through the basement floor to find all the remnants of his old life. Yep. And then just in contrast to that, you've got the, um, the Russian mobster trying to explain to his son, like what you like, look what you have done. Right. Yeah. Like you have no idea who you just fucked with. <laughs> right. Like we are all <laughs> oh, yeah. dead. Like, and, and he's just like, he is in that first movie. He is single purpose, right? He is just all about vengeance. Um, and relentless in doing so. Yep. So yeah, that was my choice. I didn't have a game one. I don't know if I've ever played a, a vengeful hero. Like I just, I don't think I've ever done it before. So uh, I, I was trying to think about it. I was trying to think about it, but um, I, I, I honestly yeah. just couldn't come up with a good one. So I, um, I mean, there are some video game ones, but I don't think I like the character from Far Cry, but I don't love that character or anything. I just liked the original game. Like, I don't know. I didn't have anyone that really resonated with me. All right. Okay. Question All two. Right. Okay. Number two. What challenges would you have playing this background, Bob? Yeah, for me, that would be not letting it bleed too much um, because I, 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 will, I will get emotionally invested in this character arc. Like, you know, you wronged him, especially if they killed someone he loved like that, that, that will, that will dig into me and, and, and bleed will start to happen. Um, so it would be like, you know, let's keep it level. Don't, don't let the bleed take over. Um, a little bleed's good, but you, you don't want it to consume you. And I, I will be one of those people that will let the bleed go and go and go and go and be like, Whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute. <laughs> I'm just going to push these feelings down. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I can see. I I can yeah. see that, right? I can totally, yeah. I can totally see where I can totally see where you could get some bleed from this, especially if you just kind of open yourself up a little and just yeah. try to empathize a little with with this character. Yep. What I about you? Uh, mine would be. Um, it, it would definitely be as a player, right? My real challenge to this would be balancing doing the other stuff. Um, I think we all know I'm I'm not a person who. Um, uh, let's project slide, right? So I would be very much like, well, this character is going to need to get revenge. And by revenge, I mean, I've got a 10 point plan here for how to bring this thing to its knees. I'm going to need to get on this right away, right? Like it, it would definitely be a challenge for me not to try to um, railroad the vengeance into every session, right? Like it would, um, and rather let it be that that background story arc. Like that would definitely be a challenge for me as a player. Mm-hmm. And that that is definitely a big thing. You don't you 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 have to definitely make sure that you're not uh, just focusing your entire character on just getting revenge. Yeah, yeah. It'd be very one note on that. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm a big fan of aggressive monotasking. Right. <laughs> like there you go. How about you, Jer? Well, for me, it's going to be making sure that I include the rest of the heroes in the story. And finding a good redemption arc. Um, sometimes it becomes a, a thing where you've got an obsession, and you have to make sure you bring the player characters in. Um, that was the the TFT thing. I had an obsession 
and a vengeance and a person that I wanted to bring down and destroy. And the rest of the party was not on board with that at all. Um, as a matter of fact, some of them kind of considered that other person to be their friend. <laughs> and it was, it was tough to play that character. So when I do a vengeance hero, I want to always make sure that I talk to the rest of the players and make sure that um, they're on board with this. And also like have some sort of redemption arc, have some sort of play, point where you're no longer just this rage-filled kill monster. What is it going to be that brings you back along? Um, or is this going to be the thing where I decide that I want to go out with a blaze of glory and, you know, I want to bring down the McAllister Corporation by dropping it to the ground as a skyscraper while I'm standing on top of it, strangling the bad guy as we both plummet to our deaths, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, that might be the redemption arc, but generally I, I prefer a better redemption arc than that. Um, I would, you know, I mean, there's that, there is that um, saying that, you know, when, what is it? When you seek revenge, dig two graves. Yeah. Yes. Right. Like, I mean, that is, that is a thing about this, about this background, like, um, you know, and you could plan it that way, right. You could very much plan, like I'm going out in a blaze of glory. Um, (laughs) So, like my end, my end game for this is I'm going to go fight, you know, Baron Von Badass, but I'm also going to pack myself with 20 pounds of plastic explosives so yeah. that one way or another, Baron Von Badass isn't leaving the chamber. BBB yeah. is going down. Uh, yeah. My, I would also my, like to my, state my, that Rage-Filled uh, Kill Monster is my uh, death metal band name. <laughs> rage Kill Phil Monster? Rage, Rage-Filled <laughs> Kill Monster. Kill Monster. Oh, Rage-Filled yeah, Kill, Kill Monster. Kill yes. Monster. Yeah. My, my, my favorite follow-up to that was the, because it's actually killed when I gave one of my players, was the, was the infamous, you know, if you plan for revenge to kill two, dig two graves, and he turned and said, oh, I plan on killing a lot more than just two people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I'm like, that's, that's the answer. That's the answer. All right. Yep. All right. So that brings us to question number three. What challenges would you have GMing a player with this background? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think the first one, we talked about this uh, for sure. Um, right. It's about, it's about boundaries. We need to have boundaries about how dark is this vengeful character going to go? Um, you know, are we going like full John Wick crow dark? Are we going Inigo Montoya? Like we're going to need to have some discussions about it because, um, depending on, it's going to depend on a lot of factors, right? It's going to depend on the group. Um, it's going to depend on the story and it's going to depend on the game, right? Like if we're playing cartel, and you tell me you want to play a vengeful character that's like looking to, you know, murder the whole cartel. I'm as long as the players are on board, I'm green lighting that plan, right? Like that's a very cartel thing. Like it would totally play out well in a cartel game. But if you're like, we're playing a um, star Wars game. Um, we're playing a star Wars game. Um, and I want to be like this totally dark, vengeful character, then I don't know, like, we're gonna have to work it out. Let me pause. I'm going to pause for a second step away. Jerry, pick up you uh, talk about yours for a second. I'll be right back. Sure. Yep. Uh, for me, it's gonna be finding ways to include uh, the, the enemy of the vengeful character into the story without making it overwhelm the rest of the plot. Um, because it's very easy to make that the focus of the plot. And then all of a sudden that campaign just be, becomes about that one player's character. And that's not something you necessarily want to do unless the rest of the party's on board with that. Um, so you want to make sure that you find a way to include that enemy. Uh, and if they're not going to be the main focus of the plot and the main villain, you don't want to have them show up too often, but you want to have them show up often enough that it's important for the uh, for the character who has that problem. 
And this is why it's often good to tie the player characters together and give them reasons to go after the vengeful enemy. Um, and uh, sometimes that works. Uh, Curse the Crimson Throne, the, the, the second Pathfinder adventure actually has that as a character arc at the beginning that gets resolved by the end of the first campaign, by the end of the first story arc, um, where all the player characters are brought together because they have an enemy that's in the city. Um, they take that enemy out at the end of the first adventure, and then the big stuff starts. So, um, so that was pretty much it. So, well, Phil's not back yet, so we'll just keep going with this. Yep. That is our second entry in the background check series. We hope that next time you're looking for a character concept, you might find this one appealing and have fun playing with it. All um, right. And now let's check in with the chat room one last time before we head off to the conversation corner. Uh, so, chat room, I'm just catching up. Jared's most recent comment is good. Ah, right, there you go. Yeah, Jared said, if you reach a session where it comes to a head, you can't really run that session until they're available. And having a specific player-dependent adventure can be a scheduling nightmare. That is classic. Oh, my God, yes. Like, oh, oh, this their story arc is all dependent on that guy's character. And that person can't make it this week. Well, now everything's all screwed up. It's like... (laughs) Are you you talking about... Are you talking about this this topic, or are you talking about next week's topic? <laughs> well, that's well, that's that's what that's what derailed uh, my Star Wars campaign was that I'd set up a story arc where we had we ended the adventure on a cliffhanger where not really a cliffhanger, but basically we were about to start the next story arc, which involved one of the player characters and their main story arc, and they had just gotten the information that led them to we were going to go talk to somebody and get the next story arc going, and then that player was not available for like six months and that pretty much, and there was, and it just did not make sense that we would skip that next section because it was the next key. So we put everything on hold for a while and we never got back to it. So yeah, that'll, that'll happen. The reason, the reason we played, um, the reason we played dungeon world was because um, Chris was running a new Monero game and did this thing where he um, bound all our characters together so that they couldn't drift too far apart from each other without there being um like damage and detrimental problems and like the next week one of the players had a family issue and couldn't come back to the game um like for a for an uh, for an unknown amount of time and we shelved and never played that um we never played that numenera game again um but yes, yeah. yeah, I mean that is the thing about the the um, vengeful arc, right? You have to land it on the day that every like that the vengeful character is present for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is also why sometimes it's useful if you can get more of the players involved in the vengeful enemies. If you have a character, a player who just can't show up for weeks, and you need to wrap this up, if they're okay with it, they can just have the rest of the players deal with that vengeful enemy. Um, or the vengeful, the, the, the vengeance enemy angle from there. Oh man, I can't imagine the vengeful character being like, well, you guys finish him off. Like, no. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, can see some other characters missing that yeah. that week. Yeah. But it's got to be like the vengeful character's day. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, yep. Uh, All right. As Andy said, uh, sometimes if you if you if you <laughs> have that day where that person's not going to be around, that, that's a good time for a flashback session. Yep. It's like, oh, while oh, we yeah. while we prep for the next time when when vengeance will be theirs. Um, what happened back, you know, six months ago when you guys were <laughs> da, 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 you know, but I'm, I'm talking about like, it's been two months and it does not look like vengeful characters going to make it back for another six months. Oh no. I'm saying that if it's, yeah. if it's a one-time thing, Oh no. One-time thing. You don't do that. No, 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 no. Yeah. One-time thing is definitely a good time for a flashback or yeah. a side story or, yeah. you know, um, 
Cool, cool. All right. Well, let's do the thing in the conversation corner. Yay. So uh, the Marvel folks um, did a thing with Lego um, where they said, okay, based on uh, uh, on these new uh, variant characters from Loki and What If, um, we're going to put out a bunch of, uh, of uh, custom minifigs for yep. some of these characters. So they put out a set of 12 characters, um, but they Five did packs. them in random packs. Uh-huh. And random is just so annoying. So it's like, oh, buy a bunch of these and then see what you get. Well, I bought 10 of them. And out of that 10, I got four versions of the zombie Captain America, <laughs> two of the Spider-Man. It's like... Uh, like, okay, I like there's 12 of them. I want all 12. So after two rounds of buying a bunch of them and not getting all of the characters and having a shit ton of doubles, I'm like, all right, who's got these on eBay? All right, this guy's up six bucks. Okay, I'll take that. Oh, this one's 12 bucks. All right, I'll pay 12 bucks for it. What the hell? Yeah. Considering what I've been paying for the packs. I'm like, all right. So I just went on eBay today and I bought the rest of the ones that I needed so <laughs> I could fill that, out. That's seat. what I did. I, I bought a set of 16, which was the max you could buy from Lego at the time when they came out. And I got five Gamoras. The <laughs> yeah. one character I, the one character that's really not that interesting, I got five of her. And the, I didn't get any of the ones I wanted. I didn't get Loki. I didn't get Sylvie. I didn't get uh, Captain Carter, any of that. So yeah. I did the same thing you did. I'm like, well, time to buy a bunch of Dutchess. But, but I have some, you don't, we can do some swaps if you want. So. Well, now I, I went out and I bought the rest of them. So now oh. I don't have anything. I won't have anything that, that I'm missing. So. Um, but that's cool. Um, but if you have use for, uh, for more zombie Captain Americas, uh, I, I'm sure you can have some of my zombie Captain America because I have no I need may. for multiples of those. So, cool. um, so there's that. Um, I also, because I was out looking for those, I, uh, I jumped on the opportunity to, because I'm a Lego VIP member, I got a shit ton of VIP points cause I've been buying the big sets and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I spent some of my VIP points, got a $20 gift card. And put it towards buying the um, the Captain Carter What If kit, which is Captain Carter, Red Skull, and the Hydra Stomper with Steve Rogers. Ah, oh, sweet. So I got that uh, eventually showing up. Um, so looking forward to that. And the Captain Carter uh, figure, uh, there you go. The Captain Carter figure looks a little different than the one from the minifig uh, multi-packs. So- yes. The one that comes with the Hydra Stomper is the one from the... Um, is the one from the episode where the Hydra Stopper shows up. Yeah. The one in the the one in the mini fake pack is the one from episode nine of What If. Okay. Where she's got she's got the up. Remember how Cap's costume gets upgraded through the series? Yes. The there movies? you go. That explains hers. It. She she's wearing she's wearing basically she's basically wearing the 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 end game Captain America version of the Captain Carter uniform. Yeah. She's supposed to be that's her. She's paired with uh, the Gamora. The Gamora wearing Thanos armor. Oh, I forgot. Not everybody's caught up on what if. Sorry, Andy. Uh, sorry. Not huge spoilers, but <clears throat> yeah, yeah. All right. Um, we played NBA Knights Black Knights Black Agents. I can't word yeah. today. Wording is hard. Oh, there's got to be a better way. I think I'll do a podcast because I can't speak. Um, we are. Uh, we did a bunch of prep for a uh, a kind of almost like a heist. That we're gonna do, we're gonna do an infiltration on a on a facility. Um, so far, we've only had one brief exposure to 
um, what is potentially going to be a vampire to our characters. Um, we know it's a vampire, but the characters don't. Um, we've got a little bit of like, it looks like a duck. It talks like a duck. It, you know, it walks like a duck. It's gotta be a duck, right? <laughs> but we haven't had that moment where like we're faced full on with like this guy just rolled into the room killed like 16 people and blood dripping from fangs and stuff i mean you should hope the hell not yeah um but that moment is coming (laughs) so (laughs) that's that's like the the moment in nice black agents when you have that first combat or you're like all of a sudden the person's bouncing off the walls and you can't get a shot off of them because they're superhuman it's like we had a tiny taste of it. So looking forward to when we hit that moment, because then uh, then that's going to be the epiphany for my character, who is going to take the um, the, the hunter. Um, that's not the name of it. There's a, a drive. Slayer is what it's called. That my, my sole goal is going to be eliminating vampires from the world once I know that they're actually in existence, which I'm like leaning that way like right now, but... So that's going to be good. Um, as I said up above uh, earlier in the show, uh, I'm watching Community. I'm a few episodes into season two now. Um, they uh, they're having a lot of fun uh, with uh, with the writing in in this show. So look very much looking forward to seeing where it goes because, um, like uh, like Jerry said, there's people from Rick and Morty involved with this, and there's people you know the Russos and 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 the the characters themselves are interesting characters and um abed is is a lot of fun i love that character um but yeah and then the cameos uh season 2 starts first uh uh first class of anthropology 101 and you get betty white and i'm like get out betty white <laughs> and then she freaking kicks the shit out of jeff winger i'm like yes that's what i want to see good stuff so that show's great. Um, the Lower Deck season finale was last week. Oh, so good. And yes. it, it, the, the complaint that some of the naysayers have is like, all it is, there's no Star Trek. It's just a bunch of, of Easter eggs for, for other shows, other Star Trek shows. And I'm like, the finale for this season has some Easter eggs in it, but it's a full-on Star Trek episode yes. packed into 22 and a half minutes. And it's it, like it, glorious. It's actually quite amazing how that um, that show can flip the switch from "Hey, it's it's like a funny Easter egg show" to "Holy shit, this is a full on Star Trek episode." Yeah, like so that good. is it, and and it works. Yeah, like it totally worked. Yep. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. I thoroughly enjoyed it. If you and ends with it. a huge cliffhanger. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I don't know if anybody else saw this, but. Um, Will Wheaton, of course, a huge Star Trek fan because, you know, he grew up in Star Trek. Um, and he does uh, a show called uh, The Ready Room, where he basically does previews of episodes coming up. He does interviews with cast and crew and, and, and writers and stuff. And he totally nerds out over this whole thing. Well, the animators for Lower Decks, they went and they drew a Lower Decks version of Will Wheaton. As if he was an ensign on the Cerritos. <laughs> Not a Wesley Crusher. A a Will Wheaton. And he revealed it today on Twitter. Or somewhere. I think it was on Twitter. But yeah, he's... Uh, so now he has an official piece of art. <laughs> not, not official. I mean, a piece of art from the artists of the show. 
of a Will Wheaton in, in Cerritos Ensign gear. I now require the traveler to return Will Wheaton to the Cerritos for like 20 minutes of a future <laughs> episode. Like, oh my God, I am going to absolutely 100% need to see um, Wesley Crusher appear yep. um, on, on the ship. But yep. that is a now, like that is a, um, that, and I need to see a, a Captain Harry Kim, right? That's the other. Yeah, that would be good too. Captain <laughs> Harry Kim would be the other thing I need to see. Or, or, or God, you know, God rest his soul, a um, lieutenant or captain Nog. Oh, yeah, would also be a uh, yes. Yep. Oh. All right, so that's uh, TV stuff. Um, as we mentioned, uh, we started a new season of Minecraft. Um, is this what season seven or was it six? Six, six, six I think. Um, and as Phil said, there's a bunch of stuff that we had to get rid of because it's not compatible with the the new the newest version of Minecraft. Um, so learning some new stuff and getting back into the groove, I had to completely relearn because it's been so long since I played Minecraft, all of Valheim I've been playing. Um, I keep using keys from Valheim in Minecraft and going, why isn't this working? <laughs> and yeah. It's like, ah, um, and then I went out and I was doing some exploring and Jerry will appreciate this. I totally Valheimed my exploration. I hit the coastline and I just ran yeah. up and down the coast because <laughs> that's the first thing we do when we find a new island is we circumvent yep. it on the coast and then we go to the interior and we close it off. So I was running the coastline um, and uh, and I, I totally Valheimed my architecture, Jerry. When we're done with the show, we're going to jump on. I'm sure you're going to jump on Minecraft, right? I would definitely, I got to get my body back. So. Yeah, there you go. So maybe I'll help you get your body back, but then you have to come visit uh, Logan's Peak and see oh, how yeah. I Valheimed up my architecture. <laughs> <laughs> You'll recognize it instantly. Oh, dear. Um, all right, so to wrap my thing up, um, I've got another plumbing visit this week. Um, I had uh, I had them when they were out for uh, fixing the uh, the bathroom plumbing. I had them replace the kitchen faucet. And when they replaced it, we discovered that this brand new kitchen faucet was leaking. It was dripping. Uh, leaking isn't the accurate word. It drips. And apparently there's cartridges inside the, the handle area that where the water flows through. And there's something wrong with those brand new cartridges. So Moen sent me replacement cartridges. And um, as part of that transaction, they um, they I signed up for like their, their Moen newsletter or whatever. They made me like a premium member because of of having a problem with a brand new product and they gave me a discount code. So I bought a new faucet for my uh, small bathroom and a new shower head um, with a, a removable shower head. Cause right now the shower head in the big bathroom is just on the wall. It's just there. And I'm used to having one that I can take off and, and, you know, move it around and stuff like that. Um, so I bought a new one of those that has a magnetic connector. So you don't have to like slide it into that clip or anything like that. You just hold it up. Yeah, that's cool. Click. Um, but that's also going to get me another like two or three or four inches of height on that shower head. Nice. Which it's not it's not too short right now, but to 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 properly get the top of my head, I do have to lean back a little bit or or hunker down just a little bit. So this will give me a few extra inches there. So I've got a plumber coming out on Thursday to uh, to uh, put all of that stuff in and get that taken care of. And I'm still waiting to hear back from Lowe's about my new closet doors. Um, I think they're going to be in the first week of November. 
which is roughly the same time frame that supposedly the, the new sliding glass door is going to be ready. Um, so the interior door is no big whoop, but that sliding glass door in the first, second, third week in November, sometime between now and Thanksgiving, um, I'm going to have a big hole when they take the old one out and go to put the new one in. That's going to be a cold. That's going to be more than a hoodie day, I think. <laughs> Unless we get one of those warm snaps where it's more than, you know, 40 degrees. In Seriously, time, time's running out on those. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that's uh, that's all me. Phil, what's up with you? All right, let me check. You covered a bunch of these, so I'm going to truck through them as fast as possible. What if? Awesome. Lower decks, amazing. Uh, I'm nearly done with season eight of Blacklist. Um, super tense. I started getting really anxious uh, over lunch today while watching an episode, and I was like, Oh, I'm not anxious because there's anything wrong like in my life. I'm anxious because I'm watching this show. Um, so I, th- that season's turning out to be really good. Uh, two weeks ago, two weeks, not not this past weekend, the weekend before, Jerry came over. We watched Hackers. Oh, yes. Say Magnifique. Love that movie. Oh, so much fun. Forever love that movie. Uh, also, that same weekend, that past weekend, I hit up Trader Joe's um, and bought a bunch of fun food, including my... Um, pumpkin spiced uh bagel and pumpkin spice cream cheese of which i know bob bought the same yep um we also had fried ravioli that night for hackers and i bought some of that uh delicious mandarin chicken playing the new minecraft talked about that uh built minecraft legos on columbus day jerry had given me a set that had the pandas because pandas yes and uh, i was like oh i gotta sit and make this now so i knocked it out um on columbus day it was a lot of fun um, picked up a PS4. Um, uh, our good friend um, Glenn had a um, got a PS5. Had a PS4 laying around. Uh, was very generous in in its price. Um, so I picked it up, brought it home, and uh, got rid of my Xbox 360. Put in the PS4. Uh, bought. Um, I bought two games, but he also gave me a few games. So I bought um, Horizon Dawn Zero, which is supposed to be like the game for ps4 um and it's i played the beginning part of it it's fucking amazing Hmm. i'll talk about it more in future uh episodes i also bought wipeout and you're like hmm what's wipeout but i'm pretty sure wipeout is the game in hackers that kate and um zero cool are playing in the club interesting it's it's that racing game that hover racing game Mm -hmm. um i believe i heard that's an early version of wipeout so I bought that, thought that might be fun. Uh, and I got a couple of other, and like I said, I got a couple of games from uh, Glenn. But anyway, I, it took me a couple of days. I actually got it put in place, loaded and everything else. And it took me like two more days. Like it wasn't until last night I actually sat down and got to play it. Um, had a little bit of a COVID scare when Dante got a, um, my son got a, a little bit of a cold, but he got rapid tested or he didn't get rapid tested. He got a PCR test. It turned out to be fine. Um, just actually got a cold. Um, He's doing fine. So, you know, almost was like, wow, going to have to lock down again, but didn't. Uh, we played I Hunt the week before. We played uh, Knights Black Agents. Uh, both of those games are going well. Both of them involve vampires right now. So mm-hmm. I'm like, kind of feel like I'm not, not exactly playing the same game because they're two very different oh, very games. Different. Um, but they're both very enjoyable. I'm actually, I'm actually running, I'm actually remembering how much I love uh, running NBA. Like, love running this game having so much fun actually putting it together, like, like the, the missions together and stuff. So um, yeah, we talk about that more in the future as well. Going to turn it over to Jerry. 
All right. Uh, what if, of course, good. Finished season three of Discovery. Loved oh, it. Boy. Looking forward to season four. Got to the end of season three. Uh, I liked almost everything about it, so it was really good. Nice Black Agents, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I, I enjoy spy stuff. I enjoy the fact that it's good game. And Nice Black Agents also hits on one of the things that I like in my role-playing games, and that is that um, it is a teamwork game. You rely on your fellow teammates to yep. do shit. Um, like, my character is is an explosives expert. My job is blowing stuff up. I know about buildings and that. This week's uh, game was about exploration, so my character was more of a backup. It was just fun to hang out and um, be the backup in the thing and not have to rely on all my skills. Um, got to play Basin with GM uh, Glenn Seiler. Still a very good dark game. We're infiltrating an inn, um, and it is turning out not to be the villain that we thought it is. Basin's interesting because you're basically hunting monsters but you don't always defeat them by sheer brute force like you might encounter a uh a vengeful half ghost half lobster killer spirit and the way to defeat it is to um like bury the hair from a righteous person under the inn kind of thing and so a lot of it is okay. going to be um figuring things out as you go so it's very exploration it's a lot of fun but it's 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 scandinavian horror by the people that brought you tales from the loop so it's a good game um Last week was I did my five-day, 30-hour class that I teach on pesticides. It's been really interesting. We had a really good class of people. Um, they were attentive. They were fun. Um, it does mean that I'm on for like nine hours. I'm not just I'm not just on my feet, but I am the focus of attention for nine hours straight. It's, it's, it's exhausting, but a lot of fun. Um, Hackers was fun. I haven't seen Hackers since it came out. It's a fun movie. It still holds up. It's a lot. It's, it's exciting. It's cool. Um, and just, I really enjoyed it. Uh, last two things. I am a big fan of 66 Batman. I love the Adam West Batman. I love the movies, love the TV show. Um, it is still my favorite Batmobile. And this year Lego put out a minifigure scale Lego Batmobile 66. Um, and you get Batman and the Joker and it is the Cesar Romero Joker because if you look at the Joker minifigure, yes. he's got, he's got the little mustache because Cesar Romero would not shave his mustache for the show, so they just dusted over it. Um, and it's 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 brilliant. But it's it is the it is straight out the '66 Batman. Bob, it's a it's an inexpensive set. If you like Batman '66, it's worth picking up the set. It's a lot of fun to build. I, um, I'm going to have to toy with that idea, especially since you get Caesar Romero Joker. Caesar I'll, Romero I'll bring, Joker is next best Joker. Yes, I will uh, next die time. on that hill. <laughs> uh, I, I won't argue with you on that. Uh, and. <laughs> I broke down. I was doing something else some night, and I decided I was going to watch. I watched the four-hour cut of the Snyder Justice League. Wow. It's, um, well, you know what? They improved on a few things by getting rid of a bunch of plot lines that were just horrible. Um, but they added some stuff like Darkseid and his gang, and they just look like, they look like early 2000s era CGI. They're really badly done. And they redid, um, the reason I'm going to do this, it hit on something that made me think about the difference between the CGI and the DC movies and the Marvel movies. And that's that they redid uh, Steppenwolf and made him, they gave him more spikes for some reason, which is weird. Um, but I realized that he no longer even looks like the actor playing him. He looks just like a CGI video game character. You know, people made fun of, of Thanos and the kind of purple grimace look. 
but you can still just see Josh Brolin under that CGI. You know, you can see all the Marvel villains, even the ones that are that are exotic looking. You can still kind of see the CGI. Uh, you see, see the actor underneath them. With these, they didn't really even. I don't know why they bothered having actors in the first place because for those things, for like Steppenwolf and Darkseid and all that, because they don't look like there's a person there. They just look like somebody put a bad special effect on screen. But that being said, if you enjoyed any part of the original Justice League, there are things about the Snyder Justice League that really tie things together. There are some storylines and plot lines that got brought up in the original movie that went nowhere because Whedon came in and just threw them out the door. So uh, I would say if you didn't enjoy the the original Justice League, don't bother watching any part of this. (laughs) If you found some things you liked with Justice League, it might be worth the four hours to see what the original intent was. And also to, to see the groundwork of where they're going with the next step of, um, of Justice League. Um, there is some weird stuff in there. It's, it's very Snydery, um, <laughs> but it was fun. It was, it was, I went into it knowing that it was not going to be good. And so with that in mind, it wasn't as horrible as people had said, but it was, it was fun. But I mean, if you've got, I mean, let's face it, if you got four hours, there are better ways to spend four. Yeah, it's four and a half hours long. Yep. It is. I, I, I did it while building the Batmobile. <laughs> And a couple of Lego sets. I was I just wanted something on that I didn't have to pay much attention to. But like I said, if you found things you liked in Justice League, they do some interesting things in there, um, and they get rid of a lot of the stuff that was cringy. Um, like the if you saw there, just they got rid of the entire plot line with the one Russian family that for some reason is living in the demilitarized zone that has to get rescued. So, um, oh, black and Jared Rasher said you could watch it in black and white. That actually might have made it look better. I think some of the special effects may have looked better if it wasn't, uh, but but you get a lot more bat. You get a lot more Ben Affleck Batman, um, which I liked. Um, so yeah. anyway, it was it just it, it was a big chunk of the day, and it was it was not a waste of time. It was just interesting. So um, I'll sure. say it's it's better than the original. So that's it for me. So that that's what I pretty much what I did this week the last two weeks. So why don't we jump to the Patreon shoutouts? Yeah, let's wrap this thing up. So thank mm-hmm. you very much for being our uh, patrons. Uh, Jared Rasher, who's sitting in the chat room right now. Chen Pixelscapes Gagney. Jim Fitzpatrick. Joseph Peralta. Carl Halperin. Michael Draper. My Brett. Not my personal Brett. Someone's Brett, though. Ninjabi. Yay. The Rainmaker. Tony. Yay. And Rory McLeod. And thank you to everyone for listening and being in the chat room tonight. If you are free on Tuesday evenings, normally at 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. The Queen's time, you're welcome. Come join us live on Twitch where you can chat with other awesome listeners in the chat room for life and ask us the occasional question while we do the show. And if you can't make the live show, check out our podcast each week wherever you get your podcasts. And take a listen to some of the other shows of Mr. Trumark Network, such as They're a Super Geek, Mastering Dungeons, Bones from Obsidian, The FM Gamers, Panas Talking Games, The Gnome Cast, Yahoo Hustle, The Lounge, Bonus Experience, and back episodes of She's a Super Geek. Uh, you should also check out our sibling podcast, Tabletop Bellhop, The Knights of the Night, and the always amazing Gaming and BS. After you have cornered the focus of your vengeance and before you deliver your absolute final vengeance, take a selfie and then send it to us. On the emails at MMP at misdirectedmark.com uh, or hit us up on Twitter. The show, the network is at misdirectedmark. He's Robert M. Everson. He's GM Gerrymander. I'm DNA Phil. Awesome. 
If you like what we do here and on the other shows in the Misdirected Rock Network, you can support our Patreon campaigns. MMP, Mastering Dungeons, and Pandas Talking Games are at patreon.com slash MMP. Zhangu Hustle is at patreon.com slash Zhangu Hustle. And Bonus Experience is at patreon.com slash bonus experience. Patrons of MMP, Mastering Dungeons, and Pandas Talking Games get access to the after show, pre-production show notes, musical parodies, the Bamboo Lounge, and other special releases. This has been a Misdirector Mark production. The media arm of encoded designs. Mic drop. We out.